Hello there, everyone. My name is Aaron Burr. Welcome to the We All Can Change podcast. Here I help others heal the earth to live a more fulfilled and healthier life. I like to keep things pretty lighthearted, so that's why I do all this in a non-extreme and not-too-serious way. Seriously. Hello there, everyone. Welcome to episode 21. My special guest today is Tawny Hammond. She has a background in promoting the well-being of, of animals through working in shelters and has also worked in the parks department. She has a passion for the environment, passion for animal ethics. And I think she'll be a perfect individual to have on here because animal ethics and, and the, the welfare of, of different species, those all connect back to also helping the environment, right? Wildlife and preservation, this is all intertwined. These issues are all connected into a complex yet basic solutions system. So she she has a way of speaking from the heart and tells you how it is, but it, from a sense of, of uh, compassion and really thinks about how her words affects people around her. So I... I, I just I just love her as an individual and she's she's also my boss at the River Outfitters. So she owns the River Outfitters, bike rentals, kayak rentals, and uh, paddleboards as well. So big environmental connection there as well. Um, using what's one of Traverse City, Michigan's pretty pristine rivers. The, all the dams got let out, so the river is hasn't hasn't been the way it is now for really a hundred year over a hundred years so it's pretty incredible and we're, we get to experience that firsthand so I hope you enjoy this episode with me and Tawny I definitely did without further ado Tawny Hammond I'll try and use weird words yeah <clears throat> throw in some ballards and throw in some uh what, what are some wheelhouse what, what is it wheelhouse that's not my wheelhouse <laughs> see look oh, I was starting don't do it Wheelhouse, Ballards. Um, Ballards, not Ballards. Is it Ballards? Ballard, B-O-L-L-A-R-D. You can look it up. It's, it's a word. O? Ballard. I thought it was... So like, then what's... um? Oh, Ballard's a last name. Right. Frankie Ballard. <clears throat> um, I might need water. Okay, okay, okay. I'll you some Just water. a glass of water. <laughs> now that I don't have any, I want it. But I if do, I have it, I won't use it. I knew you would need it. I love your Soho black outfit. Oh, hey, that's all me. You're such an artiste. <laughs> yeah, when you're famous, are you going to remember me? Um, yeah, I think so. Okay, please remember me. You'll be, the, you'll be the best, last person I ever worked for. That's what you got to, that's what you either have to start it with or end it with. Uh, what do you mean? What you just said. That's uh, funny. Oh, 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 the podcast episode? Yeah, that's funny. All right, so we are recording. We're all good. We're ready to rumble. Thanks again for coming. Appreciate it. You bet. Thank you for coming over to the official We All Can Change studio. It's exciting to be in the studio with you. (laughs) I feel important. My living room. (laughs) Actually, not even mine. My grandma's. (laughs) It's beautiful. Lots of light. Yeah, yeah. It's a great place to create and make. No, it is nice. It is nice. Sometimes I get too relaxed, though, and I have to, like, go to a coffee shop because I'll just stop working 
or if I don't, <laughs> it's right. too relaxing. So stay focused. Stay, yeah. Stay yeah. woke. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stay woke. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad you and Scott both do the, the uh, the nice terms like that, like woke and Scott used. I'm gonna give her the L the other day. <laughs> what, what 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 was that about? <laughs> I don't know, but, it, but it's just like funny that you both use like those those because I don't even, I don't even use those. I barely even know what they mean. Yeah, you're with the times. I, we like to be we like to be old people that are hip, you know, like <laughs> hip to things. We don't want to. My goddaughter is driving her to camp this morning, and she said, "You and Amy, Godmommy Amy, are so." young you don't act old and i said what does that mean and because i you don't you know, act your actual age yeah she said well a lot of people your age they just you know take their kids places and go okay go play but you are really active you ride bikes and and you you do fun things and uh so i take that as a compliment for my 10 year old yeah that's good so I love it. <laughs> I, some people think my brother and I are immature, but I think no. we're just youthful. No, I think it's. I think I think you're personable people, and yeah, you are youthful for sure. I think it's. I think it's a p- positive. Scott has better sayings than me, though. I'm gonna have to try and like get caught up. <laughs> Literally, be like, yeah, man. But I gave her the yell, you know. And I'm, I'm like, oh my god, I don't even say that myself. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. He had to explain it. I'm just kidding. But. uh but hey, anyways, yeah, welcome again, and you can start by just giving us a backstory on, yeah, what you've what you've been doing, like what your life has been about for the past uh, twenty years or so, I guess 10, 20, 10, 20 years. Yeah, no, sure. So I've been in public service for the majority of my career. I was in parks management in Virginia. I, I was born and raised in. Chicago, but through at a conference, found out about Fairfax County, Virginia, and, and was in public service at the time. I started in Oak Park, Illinois, and I was managing uh, recreation facilities, pools, ice rinks, soccer arenas, something I thought I'd never do. I wanted to be a writer mm-hmm. and thought about law for a little while, but I did end up writing professionally for about 15, 16 years, uh, community newspapers and freelance work, and then I wrote a lot in my career. But the last 20 years, uh, you know, I retired from almost 30 years in public service, primarily in Virginia, Fairfax County, and I was contemplating um, what I wanted to be when I grew up, and I briefly looked at Divinity School, oddly enough, because I'm not super religious, it's more about being spiritual, Mm. and I knew I wanted the golden years of my career in life to be about making the world a better place. I was recruited by the police department, invited to, they'd offered me the job years ago and I said no, but I was recruited and again, this time I didn't say no, I I applied and I said yes for the animal shelter position. Mm. And which really has turned out to be a bit of a uh, ministry, uh, calling, uh, service, and um, just turned out, you know, so to be what I wanted to do. Social justice issues are super important to me. Um, And so I was the director, I retired from Fairfax as the director there of the animal shelter where we stopped killing pets for convenience and lack of resources. And then Austin 
Texas, um, recruited me and hired me um, to be their chief animal services officer. And then Best Friends started building out a team and uh, asked if I was interested in joining Best Friends Animal Society. Best Friends Animal Society is the largest nonprofit in the nation mm. devoted to ending the killing of homeless pets in animal shelters. The most dangerous place, if you're a pet, is in an animal shelter in our nation. Wow. It used to be about 20 million that were dying in the 70s and 80s, and we've got it down to under a million. We're probably about 750,000 annually that are losing their lives, um, and not just for <clears throat> euthanasia, hmm. but for reasons that you could prevent. Yeah, yeah. So that's what that's what I've been doing. Cool. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I read your your blog post. I can't remember the title, but but it's basically killing versus euthanasia right mm -hmm. and that's that's super important I, I never thought about that at all well I guess I guess like the accuracy of vocabulary right. um, in that in that field or in any field I guess that's super important because they are they are being killed out of convenience and where euthanasia is more doing them a service right like right. technically like right is yeah. that right it's kind of it's kind of sick I mean, mm -hmm. it's a little twisted but I think how we relate to our planet and to to other animals is really primitive. As a species, we're really really dangerous mm. and hostile, and it makes you know it can be heartbreaking. But I chose to try and do something about it, whatever I can. Yeah. And um, in animal welfare, it's it became acceptable to end a pet's life prematurely mm. and label it euthanasia. And we're not trying to end euthanasia. We think euthanasia, euthanasia if, a, if a pet is irremediably suffering or an animal, uh -huh. humanely in its life, that's an act of mercy. Mm -hmm. And if a pet is too dangerous and you can't rehabilitate that pet and sanctuary placement is not appropriate, for, primarily as a dog, humanely ending its life is appropriate. But ending a pet's life for a lack of space, lack of resources, that is not sick and suffering irremediably, and it's not a danger to society. And then calling it euthanasia, uh, I personally believe, as do others, that it's unethical. And mm. I and the reason I called the blog post um, "No Kill by No Other Name," I mm. think is what I called it, yeah, yeah, yeah. is because animal issues, just like other social issues, at the center, people argue about um, you know there's turf guarding. There's argue, you argue about semantics, you argue about who's getting credit, you argue about what organization is at the forefront. And if you read his, history books about the civil rights movement and any large social change, reformation, usually the wider community is on board. It's, um, marriage equality is a good, good, issue, good example. P people were tired of talking about it. Mm -hmm. And they're just like, they just like, look, love who you love, particularly younger people who are like, just get on with your lives. We really don't see this as controversial or is there a threat to our lives. But people close to it, the center, maybe religious leaders and politicians, chose to still talk about it and argue about it, that it was. Yeah, good point. And so animal issues are similar. People at the center of animal issues tend to um, argue about this stuff that the community does, the community if you ask anybody on the street or in a store, just some random person, do you think it's okay if your city or county kills healthy, adoptable, savable pets? 
they're going to say no. Mm-hmm. People don't know that's happening. It's being done behind closed doors. And um, so what, what I guess my point was that we should be accurate in what we're doing, and then we're not calling people killers. That's another thing people say. The word kill is so aggressive and violent, and people working in shelters take exception with it and say, I'm not a killer. And if you're calling what I'm doing killing, that makes me a killer. And that's not what we're doing. We're not trying to demonize the people. Because what's really sad, Aaron, is people go into this field because they love animals. Mm. And then they have to be taught to kill. They have to be taught and they have to be desensitized to that act. Yeah, geez. Otherwise, they lose, you know, the cheese comes off their cracker. They can't handle it emotionally and mentally. They do hard, hard work. But my point in that blog and my point, I think, for all of us is to be accurate in our language and, and not call people names, but help them find a better way. Give them the tools, the programs, the policies, the procedures. Um, it's not rocket science. It's like 15 programs you need to employ or implement in your city and county. And it's usually nonprofit uh, government pro- uh, partnerships. And, and then a devotion and a dedication, dedication to that ethic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyhow. Yeah. So what are the, what are the barriers that were, I mean, what, what did you, so like you, you yeah. basically created a, like during your time there, I think it said you created like a 95% live percentage. Mm-hmm. Is that right? That's awesome. Uh, like what were, like, what were the biggest challenges? Like what was, what was like pushing back on that? Cause like, I feel like, like you, like you said, most like pretty much everyone would naturally say yeah that's not right like we shouldn't be doing that right um yeah because like it's like the general public probably isn't stopping you like what was yeah no the general public when you ask them to be part of the solution and no kill is definitely a community ethic it's not something that a municipality or a nonprofit can bear Mm. alone on their shoulders Mm. um and the the public the community, when you ask them for their assistance, will rally, uh, will rise to the occasion. The barriers are, um, were people uh, people that worked in, in the industry, if you will, the field of animal services. Some of my biggest barriers early in my career were animal control officers that felt by killing pets, we were creating a safer community. Um, that if a pet comes in and it had a a history of a bite, a bite to them, a bite is a bite, mm-hmm. and not to all. I'm not demonizing animal control officers. Uh, animal control. I've met many, many amazing animal control officers. It's a noble profession. But I'm speaking about my personal experience now, and that is initially the barriers I that I encountered were animal control officers that felt that, hey, some got to die so some can live. Like we were setting an example. Like we were going to teach a lesson by killing a, you know, a two-year-old dog that bit because something happened to it in its, in its life that stressed it out. And so what I found is that, that it was better to look at it case-by-case basis mm. because sometimes if you ask questions when the family or somebody brought the dog in, you found out information that was helpful yeah. And and that that wasn't a dangerous dog. That was a dog under stress. Sometimes they're in pain, sometimes they've been maltreated, sometimes uh 
they they they're not necessarily a dog that does well around small children or teenagers or it's not being socialized or it's not getting attention or exercise through no fault of its own it ends up in an animal shelter so case management rather than sweeping policies mm. a case by case okay. basis and it's kind of you know similar to really the way humans want to be treated as individuals and not like you know we they, we talk a lot about it's funny like we're careful or we we were careful until re- recent national changes the past what three or four years <laughs> where we were careful about how we talked about race and ethnicity and culture and sensitive not to put people in boxes and label mm. them but with animals we're always talking about breed oh yeah true yeah. and and one of the things i talk about and and do trainings on is genet- genetics the canine genome is really complex and the genes that affect behavior have nothing to do with appearance mm, yeah and it's really the same with people and uh but we like suspend science and accuracy when we talk about <laughs> animals yeah it's like su- suddenly science doesn't apply mm-hmm Anyhow, sorry, I went down. No, no. I went on a little bird walk there. <laughs> sorry. No, no. Uh, when I like when I decided that I wanted to do something with the environment, I didn't really have like a light bulb moment that that people talk about, like entrepreneurs or big, you know, social changers, whatever. Like, did you did you have any moment uh, as to like why animals or like were you just you want you want to do something good? Um, but, well, yeah, what was the reason behind animals specifically? Yeah, that's a really good question. Well, I've been a vegetarian, um, more or less, fairly uh, strict mm-hmm. later in my life, uh, since I was 16. And I come, my mother's family are farmers, so I spent a lot of time around farms, worked on farms, and family farms, and then also large farms that sold animals to feedlots and to big companies. And um, I, I just felt that there had to be a better way. I, I find the whole, like, notion of farming animals kind of bizarre. Yeah, yeah, for and sure. So I guess for me, I've, I felt probably why I was interested in divinity school is it's social justice issues for me, like values of, uh, of kindness and compassion, and that... If you're religious and you believe God created this, then why would we be unkind to, to other human beings or to other living creatures that have feelings? Mm-hmm. And it may not be exactly like ours, but, and so I think really <clears throat> there was like the, a humanity piece to it and a compassion mm-hmm. piece, and they're voiceless. Yeah, They can't speak for themselves, they can't control their own lives. Yeah. And it's like, what was kind of normal way, way back, way back when people were, um, life was much harder. I mean, before railroads, before automobiles, before electricity, before, you know, refrigerated cars and trucks and ship, being able to ship things around the country, back when people raised their food and hunted their food, I think it, I, I'm not saying, I'm not, um, I'm not trying to make it nostalgic for what life would have been the way people do with indigenous peoples and native american people that it was like yeah such an amazing life and so mystical and spiritual and everything about it was perfect i'm not trying to to say that but i'm just trying to say that i think if i had lived then 
I'd have less of a problem with it mm -hmm. because you actually were sustaining your existence of whether you were hunting or taking another creature's life for your family's food. I think what it's become is obscene and it's not sustainable from an environmental standpoint and it certainly doesn't breed a more compassionate society. They always talk about if you teach a child to care for a pet, guinea pig, hamster, whatever, parakeet, cat, you know, puppy, teaching them compassion for another living creature and, res and responsibility, and you know, which we could argue about that one, mm. um, about how fair that is for the pet. Mm. But that, that helps them think about somebody other than themselves. Yeah. And so I just think the cognitive dissonance that we the think this is what really chaps my ass <laughs> when we read kids children's books about we anthropomorphize pigs and squirrels and chickens and rabbits and cows and the cows talk and the chickens are friends with each other and the rabbit Peter Rabbit and then they come to the table and they're eating it. Yeah, yeah, that's I mean, crazy. I can't think of anything more twisted in the true. I never thought about that. Yeah, it's like they read. If you look at children's books, it's about a goose, and and then you know, yeah. then they have their Christmas goose at the table, or it's Stu about a Stuart turkey. Stuart Little, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess we don't. I guess we don't eat mice, though. No, but, uh, but we trap them. But, uh, what's and glue what's the traps. big one? What's like? Oh, Charlotte's Web. Charlotte's yeah, Web. Yeah, yeah. And it's like I think it needs to be one or the other. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. Anyhow, that's a no, long no, answer to no, a no, simple question. No, <laughs> no I, I, I like it. Yeah, I feel like um, these, yeah, these, these wouldn't be, this wouldn't be an issue first and foremost because like if back, back when we hunted and gathered uh, for ourselves, we certainly didn't have approaching 8 billion people on the planet. Right. And so we didn't have to worry about that. Like even if we, even if we like, had a million people and we still treat the planet like garbage and used fossil fuels somehow even though it's a long time ago we're using fossil fuels like the planet could still heal because there's so little people so few people so i mean i feel like yeah one less people it's different for sure but two i feel like as far as treating animals as far as eating them uh, <laughs> you certainly have like a more of appreciation for that being because like it's giving you life and there's more of a direct relationship between you and you surviving because of that animal and there's more respect right and even like I, I don't know like maybe maybe there were people that wouldn't eat meat if they if they if they came, if it came down to it, I mean I mean right now, like if I went hunting, I'd probably not be able to pull the trigger on something because right. because I know there's alternatives that I can get protein from. I can go I can go farm some beans instead. Um, so it is interesting that you know bringing up the the past how how things were different, but. Well, in education, we've learned a lot about nutrition, and yeah, you got to remember we have to always remember. Um, one one simple thing to remember without getting complex because there might be people listening to this that's like oh my god another bleeding heart social <laughs> liberal don't eat the animals another I, vegan angry I'm, vegan yeah an angry vegan and <laughs> and I I have no, I'm not, you're not you're not an angry vegan at all well maybe sometimes when, <laughs> when the store doesn't have tofu I've been known to like <laughs> throw things on the floor what the fuck I know what is that? this beef shit you have I know I will throw beef <sighs> 
<laughs> but um, what what I was gonna say though was um, oh now you made me lose my sorry thoughts. I'm sorry no no I'm no sorry. it was about um, you were talking about um, oh I'm not Judge Judy when it comes to what people consume I, in fact I I try and stay in my lane and I mind my own business my pet peeve is when I'm at dinner with friends or family and usually it's friends and they'll say you know, I'll have the bacon with extra bacon and bacon in my drink and bacon on my dessert. <laughs> and then, and I'm, I'm kind of paying attention to myself and my cocktail and my food, or I'm listening to conversation. And then they'll look at me and they'll go, don't judge me. And I'm like, well, I wasn't till just now. Exactly. Why don't you keep your mouth shut and eat your dead, dead animal over there? People are, people are so like insecure about their decisions that like, I, I have never once like said anything to people's food. Uh, about people's food, but they bring it up every time. Yeah, same like, here. <laughs> it's because they're so they like no, they know you're, you know, like you're plant based. And they they'll introduce me as Tom. That, that my had a friend last night. I was had to I was chatting, and he's and he had to like say something to a friend. Um, Tony's vegan. Oh and, God. And uh, and I make <laughs> vegan choices. I I would be a liar yeah, yeah. to say that I'm totally vegan. Yeah, same. But I do make vegan choices, and you know. I had a, uh, a leader in the, in the animal movement once say, somebody asked him how he, you know, what his thoughts were. And he said, every single day we get up, we have an opportunity to lessen our footprint on this planet, to make choices, compassionate, humane choices. And here's the thing. It's, it's not just about animals. It's about compassion towards ourselves and what we want to be about. And it's about discipline and, and, and it's about thoughtfulness and living a conscious life. Mm. I am, people always say, well, I, I know it's wrong, but I just like the way meat tastes so much. <laughs> and then we I could never go vegan. And then we scratch <laughs> our heads and we wonder how atrocities happen on this planet. <laughs> and it's like the cognitive dissonance and the disconnect with, with consequences. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, for sure, and, and that wouldn't that wouldn't be there if if we had to if we had to go and raise our pig out back and see all the grass it's eating up and see all the all the space it takes up and all the forest you have to cut down for every cow or pig or even chickens. Like, if you saw that like out your backyard, or if you had to walk down the street and see how a pig was getting like cut off like i feel like people wouldn't do it well like the slaughterhouses are brutal yeah they would they like they would like connect them you know it's like an immediate connection where right. everything's just disconnected like we don't go to the farmers anymore yeah. which is a big problem well and yeah. I, I managed a farm in virginia in my parks career and it was an interpretive historic site mm. so it was a depression era farm and and it was like a badge of honor for them how disconnected they could be on what and en- what ended up um, happening to the animal. I remember I was driving to work and there was a goose standing by another goose that had been hit by a car and geese mate for life. Mm. And I came in and I was kind of sad and upset. And one of my coworkers said, mm, they taste so good though. Oh God. And Jesus. she was working with a lot of men and it was, um, it was just this like posturing of, I'm so tough and so compassion yeah, towards sure. the pet compassion towards animals is somehow a weakness. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah, sure. frivolous. And 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 then people talk about expense. There are cultures and part parts of um, 
the world where people are not gorging on dead animals mm-hmm. and they're 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 living good lives and they're healthy there's vegeta- i mean there's cer- certain cultures that completely vegetarian in mm-hmm. india yeah um and it's interesting um i was reading something arnold arnold schwarzenegger said about um that whole notion that you have to eat muscle to make muscle and he was saying that it was just in the in the weightlifting world, bodybuilding world, back when he was young, that's what you were told. And they ate massive mm-hmm. amounts. And, you know, it, it, it came at a cost with his health. Mm-hmm. He's got some health issues that probably is, is, you know, as devoted to fitness as he was, wouldn't have been that much of an issue had his diet been better lifelong. And yeah. so you have somebody that was a, you know, really successful athlete talking about that. And Mm -hmm. you see some of these athletes that haven't changed their lifestyle. They're not performing anymore. They're not competing anymore. And they have health issues. They get really overweight. Yeah, for sure. They've got joint issues and some of it's injuries, but some of it too has to be connected to diet. So Mm -hmm. one thing I was going to say that I just wanted to point out that I didn't mention is the food pyramid that everybody grew up with in their school um, about what we need for our body and how it's stacked and vegetables are, and, and fruit are at the bottom. That was funded by uh, the ag business. Yeah, the yeah. big ag business funded studies and uh, came up with results that, that you know, set the course for like school cafeteria lunches yeah. and nutritional uh, theories and, and counseling. And so we have to consider our sources when we're looking at this information and just how much protein do we need and is a plant-based diet enough? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I feel, like, I feel like a good indicator on correct sourcing is probably that if, they, if you see like dairy on there as an essential part of your diet, then it's probably funded by... Um, some agri- agriculture companies, oh. um, <laughs> and I, I feel like I feel cheated. And I feel kind of betrayed uh, growing up as a kid, like having it shoved down my my throat, literally and figuratively, that that we need dairy to have like a nutritious life, even even though there's nothing in dairy that we can't get ten times more efficiently from vegetables, right? Which is it's just insane. So I, I feel a little bit butthurt about that, but but. Uh, yeah. No, I do sure. too. It makes me sick. Yeah. Um, my mom um, grew up on a farm in a farming community, and you know she worked at a library and retired. And she lives right outside of Chicago. Her and my dad. She's a smart woman, well read. And we were chatting the other day, and I was talking about milk and just how I don't know something about makes me sad when I see parents forcing that on their mm-hmm. children because they think they have to have it yeah. to have strong bones and my mom said to me and this one, this is how this is just an example of how people be- believe whatever they need to believe she said and she, you know she's 81 years old she knows about farming and i mean that's not what she did for a living but she grew up around it she said well they have to be milked what are you going to do with the milk? And I said, Mom, the only way the cows make milk is when they're kept pregnant. Yeah. And they, their, their calves are taken away from them at a very young age, and they call it weaning. Mm. And so they wean the calf off, and if it's a boy, it goes to a, if it's a male, it goes to a feedlot. If it's a female, it becomes a milk cow. I said, it's a vicious cycle of keeping them pregnant. And yeah, I said, it's gnarly. It's yeah. it's torture and, mm-hmm. and and you know it's my mom. I'm not going to try and hurt her feelings, <laughs> but 
I was like, even in animal welfare, people want to save all the kitty cats and the dogs, and they think cultures that eat dogs are awful, and they will eat their hamburger yeah, and their true. chicken nuggets yeah. and their their steaks. And and I had a friend who's a director of one of the no-kill shelters in the country who said the same thing. She goes, I didn't realize cows had to be kept pregnant in order to produce milk. Yeah. And, yeah, and she sure. also grew up around farming. Wow. Yeah. So we believe what's we're told. Yeah. We don't question it. And I think sometimes we don't question it because we, we, we can't handle it. Yeah, yeah. It's easier. It's easier to, well, I mean. I know this sounds all really depressing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I mean. Truth sets us free. Yeah, yeah. I think it, I think it does set us free. I don't, I don't think that ignorance is all bliss at all. No. Because I think, I don't know, I would, I would rather a, some, I don't know, I, I want to say sadder life, but it's not even sadder. Because I know everything, or St- not everything. Staying but. woke. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I'd rather I'd rather choose a woke life than a than an ignorant life for sure. Well, and there's a sa- <laughs> there's a saying that meant a lot to me. Um, I grew up in right right next to Skokie, Illinois. <laughs> staying woke. And and in Skokie, there was a high percentage of um, Jewish people living, and a lot of people from that survived the Holocaust moved there. And I had a lot of Jewish friends when I was growing up. Probably seventy percent of my friends. Were Jewish and um, and so I learned a lot about the Holocaust from a personal level. Some mm. of their grandparents would have the tattoos on their arm, the survivors. Wow! And some didn't survive. So I thought a lot about moral choices, and I thought a lot about like I couldn't understand how the German people could let that happen. And I've since you know educated myself, and now now that I see what's happening in our own nation, it's uh, it, I'm not. Uh, comparing it to a travesty like the Holocaust and what happened in World War II, it's but but some of the uh, the ugliness and the cognitive dissonance and the not having compassion for fellow human beings mm-hmm. and going back to this whole the whole race thing of a superior um, race or cu- culture is is so divisive. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. but anyhow, going back to one of the sayings that, and I picked this up. I wish I knew where I picked it up but anyhow it was really important to me and I had it hanging by my desk and it was a quote that's uh that was Dante said that hell is a place reserved for those when faced with a moral crisis choose to do nothing Ooh, yeah yeah for sure and I think about that a lot I like that a lot and I don't even know if I believe in heaven or hell but I do believe in karma, and I'm probably more of a Buddhist than anything at this point in my life. Mm-hmm. I really just mutt. Um, I'm a Baha'i. I was raised Christian in a Jewish community, studied Eastern religions, and uh, believe in reincarnation of some sort. And I, I think that's really kind of what drives me. Mm. The end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mic drop, if you, if you were holding it. Um, right. don't, don't actually drop it. I, I won't, I won't, <laughs> I won't touch your mic. <laughs> no, I, I feel like, I feel like this is a good, I'm so glad that you came in because I feel like animal ethics are certainly intertwined with the environment, whether it be as a result of helping the environment or as a result of helping animals, you help the environment. I mean, have you, have you developed a broader focus or a, yeah, broader um, view, all-encompassing over the over the years, or has that always kind of been your view of like, well, I'll help animals. That's what I care most. But 
but I know it'll help other things. I don't know. What's, what's been your perspective on that? Yeah, no, it's a really good question. I think they've been intertwined in my career. Um, natural and, uh, Protection and preservation have always been important to me. I worked with the Humane Society of the United States on a project called Geese Peace, where rather than killing birds, we were addling their eggs, their nests, so that they wouldn't hatch. And we didn't want them to set another, mm. uh, lay another clutch. And so they'd sit that clutch, and they wouldn't, if you remove the eggs, they'll lay another uh, clutch of eggs. And I, in my parks career, um, I was very passionate about wildlife protection and natural preservation and learned a lot learned a lot about um gosh you know invasive species and like um riparian restoration um just you know by adding all this impervious surface how we're heating the earth up and the degradation of the streams you know all, all water rivers oceans ponds are basically filters and when it rains everything rolls off the impervious surfaces into the water and it's like we've made it our toilet yeah and um so i've i've always felt passionately about um the environment and i kind of feel like what we were talking about with animals and the environment are hand in hand because the factory farming is destroying the environment and in fact i think that's why and probably i don't know if it'll happen in my lifetime but i think i, I definitely think in the next half century 50 years uh, meat eaters will be a minority. Yeah. And, it, and I don't think it's because I'm, I'm of... Hope, I'm hoping more like 20 years. No, I do too, because yeah. I'd like to see two things I want to see before I die. One, I'd like to see a female president, mm-hmm. because there's plenty of quali- qualified women uh, that can hold that office. And we always uh, change the standards when it's a person of color or a woman... Yeah. I can't even imagine if Barack Obama did half the stuff this current president did, he would have never been elected. Yeah. Um, and women, we have a higher standard uh, for them as well. And I realize I'm biased because of the skin I lived in. But I hope that happens. And the other thing I hope is that we, we just, we are somehow kinder to each other. And, and I see animals as like, this is going to sound really, if people don't already think we're both crazy and I'm a nut. <laughs> They're going to think it now because I see animals as my brothers and sisters. I feel like if you're religious and you believe God created you, and if you're not religious, uh, I, I think some of my best, kindest friends are agnostic or atheist. And some of the most judgmental and cruelest friends are, you know, supposedly um, have a direct line to, to the big man up on the throne. Um, but I, I think that... Um, yeah, in my lifetime, those, that's what I hope, yeah. I hope I see. Yeah, that'd be great. But I think it's going to happen because of the environment. Yeah. And to go back to your question mm-hmm. about how I've, the connectivity between what I'm doing now professionally and the connectivity to the environment, that's why I was excited to talk about you when, when, uh, when I met you and found out about what you're doing with, with the podcast and your other initiatives, because I see them directly connected. Yeah, I see I totally connected with a more compassionate, informed, educated, um, activated people doing something to make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like if you if you make changes to be more thoughtful about how you treat animals or or living beings like a tree or bugs, naturally you're going to treat people better. Probably, yeah. I feel like I feel like that's 
that would make sense, right? You probably wouldn't just not extend that to human beings. Um, yeah, and there's people that believe that animal people are often not people people, or not people people, or that like if you they connect with animals, they're like introverted or grumpy, or mm-hmm. they don't necessarily like people. And, you know, that could very well be that they connect better with animals. But I think you're absolutely correct that that you we we become what we dwell on Mm -hmm. and we what we do every day defines us and if you're going to put a spider or a cricket on a napkin and carry it out and set it on a you know a a plant or under a tree or if you're going to like move a snake and not and not kill it out of your garden somewhere safer or you know make a little habitat for it if you're going to not put pesticides on your yard um I do think you're probably kinder but you also might you know have less patience with people that aren't thoughtful yeah. and that are cruel and try and keep those kind of people out of your life mm-hmm. um yeah but you but you could probably still like people that consider that will probably still um lead with compassion even to people i think oh, I agree. That, that will you know not do the same back and think about this as but a, yeah, you're right, as a kid that. think about this as a kid growing up some of my grumpiest neighbors the ones that didn't want me to like throw a banana peel in their front yard or they yelled at me for hitting their tree or, you know, some of my grumpiest crotchety neighbors were the kindest to me. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that gave me a graduation present, a thoughtful present when I graduated from eighth grade. They're the ones that remembered when my birthday was. Mm. They're the ones that helped fix my bike when my dad wasn't around. But they'd also give me the what fur when I like did something stupid. Yeah and was a kid and maybe not respectful uh, or made their dog bark or so I think sometimes we just uh, we confuse what real compassion looks like mm, that's true we think yeah. it's just being polite and nice and not uh, like it, it's okay to have an opinion it's okay yeah. to be a little crotchety and grumpy about something as long as as long as you're not hurting anybody and you're making the world a better place we just think particularly women were socialized to put other people at ease socially and we're always smiling mm. even when there's nothing to smile about mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah. okay to have feelings yeah and it's okay to like even if you're kind to people it's okay to say hey i don't have space for you anymore is that your phone <laughs> i think it's mine i think it's yours good lord I left, I, I it's left, actually not mine what is that i was a good i was a good podcast guest and good i left mine at, at the studio front door with my sandals. Okay, it's gone. <laughs> that was so weird. Yeah, I know. I could hear it. God, it's probably my that. phone on the coffee table up front. Um, anyways. Um, yeah, no, but but you made a good point about the Christianity thing with the treatment of treatment of animals and maybe even environment too, or or religion, I guess, too, I guess you were saying. But but because uh, you're right, I think I've seen I've seen a little bit of everything though with with Christianity and religion. There's there's different philosophies that that Christianity is a big cause to the environmental crisis um, because of you know the the interpretation that man has dominion. Over. Yeah, that 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 people are divine right. and and right. they are given a gift of the planet. But they don't have to live here forever, right? Eternity is is not here; it's somewhere better. Right. And so, why, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, like, it makes sense. I mean, in, in that case, why would you, um, 
treat this, you know, like your home because it's really not. I mean, you're just, you're gonna be spending forever in paradise, not here, right? So if, if, if that's what you believe, yeah, when I was getting huh. euthanasia certified, a veterinarian trained me, and it was a class you had to take. And the vet who I fired, af- not after the class, but probably it was a contractual agreement, and I made sure I changed the contract. Um, he, uh, I remember his name, it just came to me, Ooh, Mufasa. <laughs> Mufasa wasn't his name, but Ooh. it did begin with an M. He told us that if we were having difficulty with performing euthanasia, and I remember they were calling it all euthanasia, even if it was a healthy cat or dog, mm. uh, wildlife, they were killing healthy wildlife. That was just, I stopped that immediately. Uh, yeah. um, he said, remember, the Bible tells us that man has dominion over wow. of, of all the creatures on the earth. Jeez. And so as a species, that's why I said that we're hostile and lethal. Mm-hmm. We, we have this, here we are, the biggest brain, amazing, amazing, untapped intellectual capacity and emotional range and physical prowess and all, all the superiority we have. And all we do is see the earth and mm-hmm. all the creatures on it as ours for the taking. Yeah, yeah. And then, which is not very superior, I mean, intellectually, oh, right? It's primitive. It's pretty primitive, yeah. 100 years, 200 <laughs> years from now, 500 years from now, if we haven't killed ourselves and blown yeah. ourselves up or burned ourselves <laughs> out, people are going to look back on us like we were just barbarians. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, I, and I think there, there, are, there are good aspects to using, there are, there are good avenues to religion as a form of helping the planet. I mean, you can, you can look at it as, I mean, if you, if you, if you're, you know, Christian or, or what have you, and you believe that we are above animals and that's not going to change, then you could use the idea that we may be stewards of the planet. I, I think I could get behind that. Um, that's maybe not my view, but you could use that avenue for sure. Is right. that, is that we're more stewards of the gift from God, right? Yeah, caretaker. And, yeah, yeah, caretakers of the land, of the of the creatures, um, but not reigning over them. I like that. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, Saint Francis was. I mean, he was Catholic, right? Right. Um, but he, like, he was pretty um, radical of his time because he basically he basically said that all creatures are equal under God's, like, you know, right. Whatever it's called, <laughs> under, under God, right? All dominion. creatures, all cre- yeah, all yeah. creatures are equal, humans included, birds, worms, insects, yeah, everything's yeah. equal, which is which is which is pretty radical. But I, I've read into that a little bit. It's, it's so I mean, there's there's certainly avenues to religion to helping the environment, and I don't think that anyone that's religious or what have you is is going to be anti environment. I feel like it's actually a good. Good, good avenue to take, but we'll see. We'll see how I'll, how I'll address that in well, changing yeah. the world. You know, nah, well, if if, <laughs> if gluttony is a sin, then, yeah. you know, if taking more than you need and yeah. and not and being frivolous with resources uh, is yeah, true. I definitely I agree with you hundred mm-hmm. percent. But something something too, just I wanted to mention that, and it's kind of off topic, so I apologize in advance, but. One thing people don't realize is a lot of the religious leaders, um, um, Muhammad, um, Christ, whether you believe he was the um, Messiah 
we, we know he lived. We, we have historic evidence, and we know that he was a rabbi or prophet of sorts, and many believe that he was, you know, the Messiah. Um, both of those, one of the things I learned when I became a Baha'i is that a lot, a lot of these men, religious leaders, came into situations that where women were not being treated very well at all. Mm. And so some of the things that uh, made it into the Bible about women and some of the things that Muhammad said and did really were trying to lessen some of the atrocities that were happening to women. And so by saying, you know, men love your wives as, as Christ loves you, um, when women were powerless and, and, and didn't have power and in with Muhammad, he, I mean, people were killing girl babies mm. and I'm not an, I'm not a total expert on this historically. Uh, but from what studies I, uh, took is that they really were radical in some of their social thinking and mm. trying to lessen some of the abuses, uh, Her. towards vulnerable people. And yeah. usually it was women and children and animals. So it's just something to think about. Like we, we, we read it like, now and we either think it's ridiculous barbaric and we dismiss it <sighs> primitive or we think it's god's word and we're going to yeah, live yeah. that way when we got to go back and look at it in the social lens and the intent of what what were they trying to say mm -hmm. and, and bring about but anyhow it's neither here nor there no no i mean i mean that's it's it's crazy to think in the grand scheme of of homo sapiens and human beings the yeah degradation of uh of women and society and like in tribes and everything like that never that didn't used to be a thing until like relatively speaking very recently like a fraction of yeah. of uh of human society and we think that that's how like everything's been even in indigenous cultures even in tribes these are the roles that that women have had and which is not the case at all. No, it's really it's really complex. I mean, yeah. even in, in the um, the Navajo community is a really good example of where the women raised the sheep, and the uh, and men uh, raised crops, and were more around uh, the village and the homestead, and the women were more grazing and herding the sheep, and they actually had a coming of age um, um, right. For young girls to slaughter their first sheep, hmm. and what they did with the the wool and the pelt and the the meat, and it was a celebration. And of course, the federal government came in in the 30s, and we made that stop. We destroyed their culture, and it was hmm. really really sad. And it's just one example. I remember I, I went to a play uh, called Vagina Monologue in uh, in Chicago, Eve Ensler's play, and it was a bunch of vignettes and short plays or stories of atrocities that happened to women, and this was in the late 80s, early 90s, to women uh, around the country. And one of them was set, uh, was about the Taliban. Uh. And I remember I came home and I was telling my parents about it, and um, I was, the old, you know, I was in my 20s. Um, and uh, my dad uh, said, that doesn't happen. I don't know what you think, but yeah. women don't in India throw themselves on their husband's funeral pyre because otherwise they're going to live on the street if he dies and she doesn't have any money or doesn't have a male relative to take care of her. And the Taliban one especially about the way women were treated and the, the, the clothing they had to wear. And mm -hmm. if they went out without a man, they were beaten. And yeah. So then when come, come President Bush 
uh, talking about the Taliban and how horrible women are being treated. And my dad was like, see, that's why we have to go in there and do what we're doing. And I said, Dad, yeah. when, it, when I talked yeah, to you about yeah. it a few years ago, you said it didn't happen. And yeah. now that there's evidence of it on the national stage. Or, anyway. or now, that, now, that a, now that a white man's using it to his own agenda, right? Right, for an, for an illegal <laughs> war. But anyhow, I digress. Sorry. No, no, no. Another bird walk. We, we need like, we need like an other, another hour on here. I'm trying to get you out for an hour. But, um, but yeah, we need, we need more time for sure. Um, I mean, do you, do you think it's possible for humans to be in harmony with nature? And like, I mean, what, are the, what do you think are the biggest challenges? How do you see that happening? Nature as in animals or nature as in, you know, just the environment, I guess. Yeah, well, I think that's a tough one because just by our yeah. our being and our existence, we're disruptive mm. and we consume and destroy. I, um, I have a friend who built a beautiful, she's building a beautiful home in the mountains and this woman loves animals more than anybody I've ever met. She's one of the kindest human beings I've ever met. And um, so these homes, you know, this place that she's going to live, she's living in paradise um, and she's so sad when she sees so many dead deer that are losing their lives because of the harsh winters mm. and the lack of um, food and, like I said, the harsh winter and the coldness. But also, too, by us moving into these spaces, um, we yeah. are disturbing the spaces that they've used. So I do think it's possible for us to make a better world by being gentler on the environment on nature and on animals i think little choices things like rain barrels on our property um not doing as little impervious surfaces on your property as possible mm -hmm. using pavers using mulch using gravel um using solar energy and i'm not saying all green energy is perfect there was a good film that i didn't get to see um but my family did at the trevor city film festival about natural energy and green energy and it's it's you know we we need to be informed we need to do our own legwork and yeah. education yeah i mean i mean dams are considered green energy even though they have so much environmental impact yep um as you've seen with working on the river um, and, and wind and i i think i think it's about a, it's about knowing the facts on it it's about mm. a balancing um what we can do um you know, just things like redu reducing paper towels we use and plastic we use and plastic bags we use and straws and yeah. the and, and there's cool inventions coming down the pike. I mean, somebody invented a, a drink. You know, the they ringed the drink holders, the rings. Like now, when I get them, I cut them up if I'm going to put them in the trash. Oh yeah, yeah, like like for like, like a six pop. pack, like yeah, a six, like pack. six pack. Yeah, yeah. And now there's one that's actually like biodegradable. Yeah, yeah for sure. And for that sure. if they eat it, if they munch on it. It's actually digestible. Yeah, yeah, it's cool for sure. I think it's a I think, straws or I think two. That should be like that should be just like a standard, you know. Yeah. And then, um, and then we'll have to be we'll definitely have to change some pretty radical things in I, human society, but but not not crazy. I don't think our I don't think our standards of living are gonna dwindle if we. I mean, no. if, unless 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 like the environment forces us to, um, which it will happen, but. But oh, if, yeah. as far as far as us making our our own decisions to help the earth, I think we can do so. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. That's why yeah. I, I really liked the concept um, of uh, that we all can change, mm -hmm. and that yeah. we all can. And and I believe 
in that. Just as, you know, I've been sitting here talking to you about a lot of negative things. <laughs> I, I, I think this has been the saddest episode I've ever I recorded. I know. We're going to <laughs> have to call my therapist. I, I'm just so sad. I just did a podcast. No, I think, um, I think pe- we're human beings are capable of incredible kindness and compassion. And I know I keep referencing the national situation we're in, and we have to remember that Hillary Clinton won the popular vote by millions and millions. How many millions? I don't know if I'm Mm. liking, if I'm doing fake news right now, but, (laughs) but but it was, it was overwhelming uh, that she won the the popular vote. Mm. So she won the election as did uh, Al Gore. Yeah. Uh, It's the electoral college in that, that game that, that's played that uh, why they didn't make it to the White House, whether you like them or don't like them. Yeah, yeah. But my point is that uh, when we're full of despair and we're, we're sad, we have to remember that there's a lot of good in, in our country and a lot of good in this world. And I'm not saying that everybody that voted for Donald Trump is a bad person, mm. but I'm seeing such, such horrible hatefulness at the rallies yeah. and his, yeah. his own rhetoric um, and you'd have to say, well, if you follow that person, and this, then you 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 back them, and then people say, well, I don't believe everything he says. <laughs> if, if there's one thing destructive, mm. and it may not affect me, but it affects other mankind and yeah. the environment, that's one thing's too many. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I feel like I feel like you have to have a well-rounded um, person that aligns with your values, but any one thing. Um, that is just too far away from what I believe I probably wouldn't back. Um, right. So, I mean, if And if it wouldn't just was, affect you, though. Would yeah, it, yeah. It would affect yeah, others. For sure. Like, for, for instance, remember how we were sweating Biden? Um, we, meaning the press, the media, whatever, the trolls, um, Joe Biden, something about his son being a recovering addict and mm. something about his son's character. I don't remember that. It was, re- it was a couple weeks ago. Okay. And, you know, he lost one son to brain cancer. So wow. now, so everything's fair game. We're going after a son that apparently has some, some issues. Yeah. And I'm thinking about the pictures of Eric and Don, the Donald Jr. Trump, sitting next to these, you know, holding an elephant's tail and all these beautiful animals that they yeah. killed because they're trophy hunters. And when President, when uh, Donald Trump was asked about it in the campaign, he said, yes, my sons like to hunt. Mm. Yeah. And it's like just like hello. <laughs> I know, I know. It's, I mean, what, I feel what like, are our standards as a people? And I, I know, I know a lot of people that do care about what I'm doing environmentally, and I have like several friends that that have voted for um, him as president. And when I, I mean, when I talk to them about the environment, they do nothing but agree with me. They're like, they're like, yeah, it's true. I mean, he's he's terrible with the environment and I, I don't like that and I'm like then why why would you sacrifice you know your values for that like what what's the reason um what do they say no answer but 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 um but basically I mean I mean while Hillary I think would have I mean first and foremost I think that if women were in the positions that they were before you know the agricultural revolution and whatnot, that the environment would be far better off. We'd probably have way less wars. And so I feel like that that would reign true with uh, Hillary too. But, but she did, I mean, even, even her 
you know, she still does fund fossil fuels and, yeah. and everything. So certainly not perfect, but probably wouldn't <laughs> start a campaign trying to bring back coal, the coal industry, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, and, and definitely, so, and definitely not, you know, no, I don't think she was perfect by any yeah, stretch of the imagination. Yeah, sure. There's a, there's a lot about her that I might not have, you know, or there's a little about her that I wouldn't have agreed with. Hmm. I, you know, politics can get messy. I just don't think we should change the standard based upon uh, gender. Yeah. You know, if 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 we if we make concessions, and and we're going to put up with a, a a white male that's done some pretty 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 nasty stuff and said some pretty bad things, and mm-hmm. but then we're going to have a different filter um, for a female candidate. Yeah. It's like um, having to be you know, twice as good just to have a place at the table. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. I, I wonder why, I wonder why people, you know, like give in on a certain issue and sacrifice of other issues. Like when they're voting, like I was just, I was just thinking about that when you were talking, it was like stuck with me about like, I, I have like, like even some, like my, yeah, I mean, friends, family, um, have have voted for reasons and then like I'll talk to them about the environment they're like yeah I do feel bad about that and it's like and it's like why why would you still go through with it then you know cognitive cognitive dissonance I think some of it is cognitive dissonance I think also too there's some (laughs) selfishness I have a friend who's really wealthy new new money she wasn't born to wealth Mm -hmm. and her husband uh, picked a field way back got really, you know, fortunate, got a lot, was very lucky that, that he chose the field he did because there's a lot of money in it. And yeah. so they're very wealthy right now, but she considers herself a really, you know, good person. And, and, um, it's just crazy. You know, she said to me, first of all, abortion drives her, um, who she votes for. She doesn't even, the person could be, Huh, an yeah, axe yeah. murderer and as long as he's going to end abortion <laughs> and yeah, yeah. and then the other thing is uh-huh. um her money her taxes yeah yeah she's like my yeah. my husband and i want to leave they only have one child leave this wealth to our daughter and we and and they live a really really good life they do everything they want they buy anything they want they pay cash for properties mm-hmm. so i i think just goes back to our species and how selfish we are yeah and that we want to do what's right for us yeah, it's true. Yeah, if people if people voted for the country instead of individuals, I think it would look a lot different for sure. Yeah, so I mean, since since it's so like unreliable, I, f- I feel like government these days, especially to me, I feel like it's it's failed us, and it's been somewhat unreliable. What are your thoughts on that? And then, I mean, what do you what roles do you think businesses have for? the environment you know like you're you own you own the river outfitters now yep and so right right on right on the boardman river which is traverse city one of traverse city's gem for sure and so i mean what what roles do you think you have in in this well i think i think we all have an ethical responsibility to leave the world better than we found it and to try and be part of solutions I have a, I never understand it when people just are in their own little life. They don't volunteer. They don't do anything for anybody but themselves and their own family. 
And if it benefits them, like PTA or volunteering with their kids, I understand being a parent's a really important job. Totally get it. But I think that um, we're also called to something higher, and it's a great way to teach your kids, you know, um, how to care for the world by volunteering on cleanup days. And when when I bought it, it already was positioned to be different than the rest. The former owner already had a really strong ethic about the environment and being part of nature. I think what I brought to the table is a background in uh, interpretive interpretive programs, mm. natural and cultural preservation from a professional standpoint, yeah. uh, wildlife protection, riparian restoration, working with Trout Unlimited in Virginia and working with Humane Society and working with the Department of Natural Resources and game wardens and um, real practical work in my career. Yeah. So our corporate ethic is a, we want to protect the Boardman River, the Boardman Lake, the Grand Traverse Watershed, the Great Lakes, so that future generations can enjoy what we have and that, the, that it's actually better. Yeah. And so now that the dams are out, um, there's this process that's taking place where I think I think the there's a little bit of a struggle, like who's going to be able to enjoy this resource and how. Yeah. And what we want to do, the River Outfitters wants to be part of that responsible, careful, thoughtful, safe recreational opportunity on the river. And so that's just what we're about. And we give back to our community. We take part in cleanups. We um, work for the love of water, closely with Flow mm -hmm. for the love of water, yeah. Elizabeth, uh, Liz Kirkwood's group. Yeah. And we also gave a portion of our proceeds last year to the Grand Traverse Conservation District. Yeah. And uh, we have plans to do more. In fact, this Thursday we're taking um, Senator, one of the, one of the, one of the 100 U.S. Senators, Peter's on uh, the Boardman River for a paddle. He's coming up here to see for himself now that the three dams were removed, and he's going to paddle the river for the first time in 100 is gonna, years. Is he going to do the rapids? No, no. <laughs> we wanted him to, and he could. he's perfectly capable of doing yeah, yeah. the rapids. Yeah. It's just time-wise. Yeah. And he also has some visitors with him that may not have the same paddling skills that he does. Yeah, yeah, sure. But for the first time in 100 years, people are experiencing the river the way it was before we put those yeah, it's dams crazy. in. Yeah, crazy. It's amazing. For electricity 100 years ago that never really produced the electricity yeah. that the community needed in the first place. It sucks. Yeah, so, so all, the, all those fish will be able to swim up and spawn. And yeah. That'll be pretty cool. That'll be amazing. I'm excited for that. It's, it's such a cool... I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even like really expect it when I got back to town in let's see May, I was like, you know, I, I heard about the dam coming out, but I, so I did a hike to where Sabin Pond used to be and just like the whole thing was gone. It was just like this nice, clear, like windy river in the middle. It was so cool to see for sure. At first, I mean, it was like a, it was like a swamped up mess. You know, because it used to be like just like a crappy pond, but right. uh, but so you can kind of see like that raw dirt exposed, but that river in the middle was like pretty cool. Yeah, kind of offered some hope for sure for the nation and for the city too. I mean, 
symbolic. Yeah. It's really symbolic. I've heard another blog that I'm getting ready to put up, um, and it's called A River Runs Through It. Oh, yeah. And it it's kind of goes back to the to the novel. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite in the, in movie. the movie. Yeah, yeah. And it's been a mantra of mine my whole life um, that a river runs through it, and, and it being our lives, um, our planet. Um, I, I think that the river speaks to us if we listen, and we can speak to the river. And um, Peshabi Town, uh, just on the other side of Sutton's Bay, um, there's a cultural center up there that I really encourage people to visit and to just kind of learn about um, how, the, how what the indigenous people said about the river and still say to this day, they called it the Ottaway. And that's what I named my LLC, Ottaway Outfitters, because I wanted to go back to the, to the beginning. I wanted to go back before the degradation mm. and before the destruction. I wanted, um, I can't, I'm a white person. I'm not Native American, but I wanted my soul and my spirit wanted to, from a from a corporate company spiritual aspect, I wanted to be connected with something be, like that. I wanted the company and our corporate ethic to yeah. be connected. Something beyond just profit, right? That's beyond sweet. profit, That's cool. yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I it's love pretty. It. It's pretty important to me, and I don't want it to be misunderstood. Uh, sometimes I think white folks we do things that we think are meaningful. Um, and it, and it turns out to be hurtful to mm -hmm. others because it might seem presumptuous or haughty or, uh, tone deaf or, um, some kind of a slight. And, and I hope that that wasn't one, uh, but it's personal and important to me because it's certainly our intention to honor the river and the people that came before all of this. Yeah. It seems like you're definitely coming from the heart from that. So I feel yep. like no one would really assume that for sure. If they, if they knew who you were. Yeah. Yeah, but you got to back me up. I'm backing you up. All right. Got at least one person that's going to stand by me. Yeah. It's coming from your heart for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, do you do you have any questions for me? I know we're I mean we're like we're like over time, but uh what questions do you have for me? I I've got time, so. Well, yeah, no, I I just was really impressed with the work you were doing and um I actually hope to turn the tables, turn the microphones. <laughs> and do an interview with you uh, because while well, I was trying to start off with some blogging and wanting to do some podcasts called Profiles and Leadership, and I think you'd be a great person to talk to because you've made some personal sacrifices to do what you're doing. You know, it's a, it's a risk, it's sacrifices, and uh, it was pretty impressive of why this and why now. And you you write about it, you've, mm -hmm. you've addressed it, which I thought was the self reflection. Yeah. And how brave you were in sharing, you know, how you wanted to live a different way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, thank you. Appreciate it. I, that's why I wear Phoenix wings on my arms. <laughs> I have Phoenix wings tattoos. Yeah. Reborn, reborn, reinvent, yeah. reborn. And, and, and we live to fight again and, and a, hopefully we're a better version of ourselves every, and you know what? You're young. You're, you're less than half my age and, <laughs> and which means I'm really older and, <laughs> no. and, and I'm reinventing myself all the time Yeah, yeah. and look at you as a young man and it's not going to end. You're going to continue to yeah. have this evolution and morphing that you're, you got to keep killing your older selves. Yeah. Which sounds, sounds kind of dark, but 
but uh, parts oh. of you die, and that means you're growing for sure. Yeah, and, and there's no um, there's no change without some stress. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Exactly. Well, well, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. This did has been really cool. I didn't get to cuss as much as I wanted to. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we swore once. Oh, no, I did. It, oh, okay, okay. Well, I did say something chat my ass. Yeah. I didn't really drop any f I was, I was wondering if I could actually put one episode out that's not explicit labeled, but uh, I don't think I can. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it, there's it no been, G-rated. It would have been, been funny if uh, it was like the one that we did because I didn't expect that at all. Um, is there anywhere that you want to send anyone website-wise? Well, I have a personal one. It's Tawny Lynn, Tawny Lynn Hammond dot, was it dot com? Yeah, dot com. And that's my personal one, and that's just um, about who I am as a professional. Yeah, it's got, got your blog on it, too. It does, and yeah. there's some more blogs that are posts are coming up, and okay. we'll, I'm going to do something with the podcast because I know a really good guy that's a, a smart podcaster that's mm, going to help yeah, me. I wonder who that is. <laughs> <laughs> Strange. And then Best Friends uh, is really easy to find online, bestfriends.org. Best Friends uh, Shelter or? Best Friends Animal Society. Animal Society, that's right, yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, we have about 1,000 employees. We're a big organization. Cool. And But we're devoted to ending the killing of homeless pets. Um, the River Outfitters. The River Outfitters. It's um, it's the River TC. Yeah. Um, come, come, come rent some kayaks. RiverTC.com. Rent some kayaks, go biking. Rent some, some kayaks, some stand-up paddle boards, bikes. You're one of the uh, best. You're one of the last best employees that I've had. <laughs> Every season, um, we get a little bit better, and you've been a delight. You were you were stalking me for a while. You oh, were, stop. You were so tenacious, and I'm so glad you were tenacious and that 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 luck put us together. Yeah, yeah, it was a lucky situation. I I, I was certainly. I was certainly blowing up your phone for sure. <laughs> no, you were. I liked your professionalism and how tenacious you were. Yeah, yeah. And it was obviously meant to be. Yeah. But um, you've been a big part of um, of what we do. So we got really lucky when we got you. Yeah. Well, well, let's hope you're. I mean, you're definitely the best boss. But let's hope it'll be the last boss I ever have. Best last boss I ever have. Best last boss. D I'm going to get a in, shirt. Dip it into the, to the freelance lifestyle. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Just Maybe I'll be back next summer. Just remember me when you're famous. I, I will. You send, have your own show on TV, travel yeah, yeah, show. Exactly. Checks, checks in the mail. Hopefully I'll just send you a check that just retires you instantly. There you go. Yeah, if like, that's the goal. Get a better car. Get some better t-shirts. <laughs> Stop working. <laughs> yeah, better t-shirts. I yeah, know. I wear the same nasty. one every day. Also, <laughs> not too. the same shirt. I do launder it. I wear I wear the same shirt every day. I got to wash it. It's been a long summer. I like the smell of lake. <laughs> Mine's the smell of sweat. Because <laughs> you do all the work. Yeah, that's true. I just, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the, I don't know what I am. I'm the admin. <laughs> yeah, the administrator, the desk, the desk jockey. That's me. Yeah, for sure. Well, hey, thanks so much for coming again. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's been awesome. Absolutely. See ya. Bye.